This episode is sponsored by CarmelaMarie.com. Hey, my people. For all natural hair products and skincare needs, hit up my girl at CarmelaMarie.com. All her products are all natural, made by the finest things on earth like avocado oil, cocoa butter, and honey. Use promo code 070413 for free shipping. Again, that's CarmelaMarie.com. Popping up, people. How's everybody doing? How y'all doing? What's going on? How are you? Sorry, sorry for the wait. I know I've been out for like two weeks and all that. I had a lot on my plate, had a lot of things going on. I had a lot to do. Some of it had to do with the podcast, some of it had to do with my personal life. But I'm here, I'm back, I'm here now, you know. I know y'all miss me and all that. I was getting some of the comments like, yo, what the fuck is uh, you know, the a new episode? I'm back. I just took just a very small, small hiatus. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, I'm back, man. You know, I'm glad you guys miss me. I'm glad you guys are lacking lacking the content and all that. Um I hope y'all two weeks has been good. Yeah, two weeks has been productive. Because my sure as hell's been, you know, um, living life, doing my thing, you know what I'm saying? Um, so a lot of things to talk about. A lot of things to talk about today. Might be a long episode. It might be a long episode, so let's see how it goes. But the first thing I want to talk about, the first, first thing I want to talk about is Eminem came out with a new album. It was like some sneaky shit. You know what I'm saying? He came out with a new album. And for those who don't know, I am a huge, huge Eminem fan. Super huge. I was rocking with Eminem when I was like in high school and all that. You know what I'm saying? Like when he came out and all like I was rocking with Eminem way back then. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a I'm not saying I'm a stan. All, all of that shit because I don't go that hard but I'm a hip-hop head you know what I'm saying so Eminem to me is you know one of those artists where I hold in a high regard you know what I'm saying he's one of those artists where I actually put him at top five you know what I'm saying but um since his you know little small uh you know since his issues with you know rehab and all that other stuff he's kind of changed you know what i'm saying i'm gonna give a review of the album you know what i mean i'm definitely gonna give a review of the album but before that i wanna um talk about just a just a little bit of how i feel about you know eminem and his uh and what was going on in his issues so you know, when he came back out um, with Relapse, you know what I'm saying? You know, same M. You know, he is a little different. He's more mature now. You know, it's been several years since Encore. You know, that was in like 04, I think. That was about Yeah, that was 04. And when he came out with Relapse, that was 09. So, you know, a few years 
past, you know what I'm saying? And he was he was different, like you could tell, like, you know, alright, he's not spitting the same bullshit that he was spitting before, but you know, this is a little bit more mature, you know, a more mature Eminem. More of a you know, you still get the whoopity whoopity and all this other bullshit, but you you have, you know, the, your your mature shit. Then he came out with recovery. Still a great album. Still a great, great, great album. The thing is, it that's when it started to become a little bit more of a not I'm not gonna say commercial, but that's when you could tell that he was kind of changing into like, listen, I'm I'm not, you know, that's the old Eminem. He said it in many songs, this is the old Eminem. I'm I'm clean now. I'm trying to do something different, and you could hear it in his music. And I'm not saying his music was bad. His music was maturing, and I liked it. I liked it, but I could still feel like there was something different because he wasn't rapping how. Slim Shady was rapping. He was rapping like Eminem. Like the infinite, you know, mixtapes when he was out. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you guys ever, like real Eminem fans know about Infinite, but if you guys listen to Infinite, you he he will be rhyming like a full sentences, just rhyming them back to back to back to back to back to back to back, you know? Because I feel like that's how he proves that he's lyrical. You know what I mean? But, you know, hey, that's, you know, that's M. So, recovery was good, but I could still feel like, yo, he changed his style up. I could change, I could tell he changed his style up. I like it. It's still the same old M, you know, everything is there, but I could tell that he changed his style up. When Marshall Mathers LP2 came out, bro, I was the, yo, I went to, I, I remember this, I went to Best Buy to get the deluxe album. The deluxe album was this little like cardboard CD, you know, thing. So um, it came, you know, it didn't just come in the regular CD holder. It came in this little cardboard, you know, deluxe album CD thing, you know, two CDs and all that. So I got it, you know, hey, same thing. But uh, Marshall's Matters LP2, that's when I saw, okay, Something is wild different right now. You know what I'm saying? Something is crazy different. I can tell from that moment on, you know, still struggling. You know, the same thing that he was talking about. Still struggling with fame. Um, You know, him, you know, what I'm saying, doing different things. You know, dealing with the death of proof and all this other shit. That, I was like, ah... I like it. I like the Marshall Mathers LP too, but for some reason there's no replay value. Recovery, replay, replay value. I still bump that shit. Relapse, replay value. I still bump that shit. For some reason, there's like maybe one song out of the whole um, Relapse album that I don't like whatsoever. There's only one song. I think was it Broken Bottles or something like that. I think that's the that's the track name. I believe um, I believe it was like, like, Broken. It was it was it was something. It was um. Hold on. I think actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it out right now. 
Nah, medicine ball. That's 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 some shit. Crack a bottle. That's it. That was trash to me. Crack a bottle was trash to me. I was like, the fuck is this? That was basura. That shit was straight traki. Um, and again, you know, recovery and Marshall Mallet's LP two. You know, there was a couple of songs that were the same thing. Basura. You know what I'm saying? To to be honest, any song that Eminem does with Pink, please, M, if you are listening, I, I doubt that you are, but if you are listening, please don't ever do a song with Pink because you sound, the whole song is trash when you do a song with Pink. You guys do not mesh well together. You guys sound like complete trash. So please don't ever do a song with Pink. Please don't, don't do a song with Pink. And also Rick Rubin, that producer, He's, he was the um, executive for, producer for some of the some of the albums that Eminem was coming out, and that was one of the trashiest albums. Um, Revival, Marshall Mathers LP two. I think he also I think so. Dude, Rick Rubin, man, don't don't work with that guy. That shit. Whenever you work with that guy, is trash. Trust me. Whenever you work with that guy, is trash. That whole thing is just, just don't do it. Cause it, I think one of his trashiest songs from I think Marshall Mathers LP2 was when he did that whole BC Boy um, 90s hip hop thing or whatever. It was visually it was hot. I think that was a Marshall Mathers LP2. It was hot, but that whole thing was trash. The whole thing was trash. So, so please don't, don't work with Rick Rubin anymore. But anyway. Um, so I'm just giving you guys the history of it, of how I was feeling, how I was thinking. When Marshall Battles LP2, after that, you know, four or five years later, Revival came out. You know, big marketing campaign, you know, Revival, um, the, um, it was kind of teased by the picture with Yellow Wolf and the billboard in the back. People were like, wait, there's a backwards E, that means... M's coming out with an album and all this other stuff and then um there was this little fake uh you know prescription company that came that was like you know saying that hey you know we're a revival the um the the pill manufacturer or whatever blah 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 come fuck with our shit but it was like a like a big marketing campaign you know what I'm saying a big marketing stunt so my my thing was um yeah, just, you know, that whole Revival album, that whole thing was trash. That whole thing was trash. That whole thing was basura. Whole thing is trash. Revival, maybe, I'll say, there's like maybe a few joints. A few joints. But something was missing where I said, yo, this is not Eminem. This is not Eminem. Eminem is falling off. I even told everybody. I'm like, listen, Eminem is falling off. Eminem is falling off. And I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to say it. I'm a huge Eminem fan, but guess what? He fell off. And I felt the same way when I heard the, the BET Cypher. I was like, this shit is trash. What the fuck are you doing? You're supposed to be an ill freestyler. Put the beat on. 
What the fuck were you saying? Because you just lost me with all that shit. Like, I get what you're doing. But my man, no. Go back to your old bag. You know what I'm saying? That shit was just trash. So, and a lot of people felt that way. Charlemagne felt the same way. You know, a lot of people felt that way. I was on Twitter. Everybody was talking. I got roasted on Facebook, but yeah, that shit was trash. But Revival, whole album, trash. There's maybe a few good joints on Revival. A few good joints on Revival. Then, today. Today, today, today. He comes out very sneaky and puts out an album. Kamikaze. He puts out an album, Kamikaze. And this album is only 13 tracks. And I'm telling you right now, Eminem is giving me that Eminem show feeling again. This is a fucking fire ass album. This album is so fucking tough. I've listened to it literally like 10 times. Back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Not because he's dissing people. I'm gonna get to that in a minute. Not because he's dissing people. But because his production, delivery, everything he's saying is fucking fire. He's not going off on this whole boobity 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 bee. You know what I'm saying? He's not doing all of that other shit. He's actually giving me back that Eminem show 05. I'm going to Hot 97. I'm going to a radio station freestyle and feeling again. That's what he's giving me. He's giving me that, you know, start freestyling his ass off just because he can. And he still got, you know, something to prove. You know what I mean? That, um, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Dissing all these pop stars type of feeling again. That's what I'm missing. And that's what he brought. Dash, this album, Kamikaze, is so fucking fire. First of all, I didn't believe it was an album. At first, I thought it was a mixtape because of the album cover. You know, it doesn't look like a regular album. But... It's actually an album. This album is so fucking fire. I started talking about about it to people. I'm like, yo, you gotta check Eminem's album out. You gotta check Eminem's album out. This shit is fucking fire. This This whole album, super fire. So, you know, I really, I really give it up to M. I really give it up to Um, Now I'm gonna get to the review. First of all, we start off with the first track, Ringer. He sets this, uh, he sets off the album with this first song, Ringer. And basically, in this first song, he just talks about everything, what was wrong, how he felt, what was wrong with people criticizing him, and all this other stuff. Just to give you guys a background, Kamikaze is basically a full response song. I mean, album, sorry. Kamikaze is a full response album to all the negative criticism he was receiving, to all the haters he was uh, receiving, 
to all the people talking shit and basically to the fans saying, listen, I know Revival sucks and it wasn't one of my best projects, but guess what? You think I fell off? Nah, you guys are fucking wrong. And I love the shit out of it. So, Ringer, great start. Great start to a first uh, first song for a whole album because it sets the tone. It sets the tone to like, okay, the whole this is how I'm gonna receive the whole album. You know what I'm saying? It sets the tone to okay, you're giving me what what you think, you're giving me how you feel, and you're also giving giving me what you how you were receiving the criticism. You know what I'm saying? And also he starts talking about people. You know what I mean? Like I said, I'm gonna get into that later. I'm just giving you guys a review. Second track, greatest, fire, fire, fire track, fire track. Um, same thing. He just, you know, he's talking about mumble rapping all that, but he's mostly, you know, talking about how he's coming up. You know what I'm saying? Not coming up, but like how he's receiving all of this and what he thinks about and him not letting us forget that he's the great. He's the GOAT. You know, he starts off the track. He starts off the whole song saying, motherfuckers talking crazy, saying I should quit. You know what I'm saying? He starts off the song like that and then goes into, you know, his shit. Again, you know, Second song, fire. Second song, fire. Usually Eminem albums, I kind of set up like you already know what the whole album is going to be about. And he's going to talk about the same topic five different ways. You know what I'm saying? But great way, great, you know, great song. Track three, look at you. I like it. Especially the, the guy he's featuring. Super dope. Track four, I don't got really much to say about track three. Track four is a skit, it's a Paul Rosenberg skit. Um, basically, same thing that we all were just thinking about when we were hearing it. Yo, you're gonna, you know, criticize all the people that were criticizing the album and all that. You know what I'm saying? Um, track five, Normal. That one's just, you know, one of these women problem album um, tracks where you already know how one gets. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to even harp on too much. You already know what how Eminem feels about his women issues. Um, normal, nice guy and good guy at three. Um, track 11 and track 12, I'm not even going to talk about. Or track 13, which is Venom. From the Venom movie, I'm not even going to talk about because it's whatever. And track 11, track 12, nice guy and good guy. Those are basically the same song. It's just in different um, ways he's rapping on it. Um, it's basically about the same thing about his issue with Kim and all. No, I'm not really going to harp on too much about it. But um, track six is an Eminem skit. Um, track seven. Track seven is fucking deep. Track seven is called Stepping Stones. And he basically talks about how... The relationship about him and D12, how what his plan was, and what he wanted for the group, and all of this, 
and how he feels so bad that he let the group down um and in the same time a little resentful because he didn't feel like he did enough to actually let these people in d12 actually carry on their own career he felt like he was you know you know um holding their career up on his own you know what i'm saying he felt like they only blew because he was either on it you know and he talked about it you know he talked about it i think it was in the second album he talked about it. i think it was a uh, d12 world the first a uh, d12 album was uh was devil's night and then the second one d12 world he talked about it. my band you know they made this whole little little comedy you know uh, you know, rap or little comedy song about how M is perceived and is the one carrying the band. They made fun of it. They poked fun of it, but that's how he felt, you know. And Stepping Stone is fucking great. I want to hear more on uh, how he, you know, puts his feelings out there. You know, more about how he's mending old relationships or whatever the case is, and. What was it? He basically... The same thing everybody else was thinking. Yo, what's going on with D12? What's up? It's, you know, bringing out new songs. What's going on? And he said, like, we're all living a lie. D12 died when Proof died. So D12 is over. He pretty much just said it. In that, you know, pretty much. He just said it in that album. You know? Great song. Great song. Um, Not Alike. <laughs> oh my god. Not like basically he is poking fun of mumble rap and going in on mumble rap and everyone else. Just going in. Um he uses Migos flow in the beginning, you know, the bad and bougie, and then from there he just goes off. Um Fire, fire start. Um, you know he uses that mumble rap shit. The the cadence of it he uses that mumble rap shit. Um, like beat, and he uses it, and he just goes off on it. And I actually I like it. I like. I'm like yo, he's actually sounding pretty nice, and that's what I think. I think Eminem needs to have more hard beats. And him going off, not using that mumble rap bullshit, because he was just poking fun of it. He was just poking fun of like, look how easy it is. You motherfuckers ain't doing nothing crazy. You know what I mean? But um, that's how I feel. You know, he should start getting more hard, swaggy um, beats. You know what I'm saying? More, more. You know, hard bass. You know, hard beats because this beat was tough. This beat was hard, and I already knew what the mood was, you know? And he just went off on it. I'm like, yo, how come you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it, you know, how, just keep on doing, just keep on doing these songs. You know what I'm saying? Keep on doing as hard, you know, don't, don't change with the, you know, don't change with the whole mumble rap scene, but just use their beats and just kill it. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. M should, should should be should be gone. Second one, um, the the one after that, Kamikaze, same thing. Going off, just going off. 
another great song. Another great song. Then after that is Fall. Fall, he goes off. Fall, go, he goes off and just attacks everybody. Attacks everybody. He attacks um, Lord Jamar. He attacks um, Drake, I believe, again. He attacks... Basically, he attacks everybody. He start, um, he starts, you know, attacking everybody. But again, I'm just gonna, you know, talk about you know the review. I'll talk about the this is in a minute. He goes off, but again, the delivery is there, the metaphors is there, everything nice. The whole that's what M does in the middle of a song. He changes it. It changes the the whole beat. He just changes the the whole rhythm, and it go and it blends nice, blends really great. Where you are going with them and you understand, and you're like, oh shit, this shit is tough. You know what I'm saying? So for the review, um, yeah. So that's uh, you know, ten songs that I like. And the other, you know, three that I, the the other ones, the other four that that I didn't, you know, talk about or didn't like was, you know, the girl ones or whatever the case is. But I, I, I like hearing what's going on in his personal life. You know what I'm saying? Um, again, um, revival. As an Eminem fan, was trash. I believe revival should have been Eminem's 444. Um. Uh, Jay-Z has cemented a legacy on how older rappers should mature with the music because Jay-Z gave us a grown man album. He gave us some good shit that we're like, God damn, you old fuck, you still fucking got it. You know what I'm saying? Jay-Z gave us a good body of work. And guess what? I felt that Eminem's revival should have been Eminem's 444, and he didn't deliver. I'm not saying Kamikaze is his 444 either, because remember, we gotta we gotta judge things contextually, you know. Jay Z's 444 was some mature grown man shit. Was that was tough, and you know I felt. Kamikaze is just basically going after all the because he was pissed off that he did a bad project and he admits it. You know what I'm saying? I think he should get another album that's like just like that. Like he's his mature shit. But keeping this style. You know what I'm saying? But my final review, Kamikaze, five out of five. The shit is fire. It has replay value. It has um, you know, I miss skits and albums. I really do. I miss skits and albums. It has skits. It ha- it has um everything in hip hop. Hard beats. A lot of lyrics. A lot of lyrics. And it, you know, things like it, it. Like it makes you. It makes you want to hear it, hear it, hear it again. So maybe you have things that you missed. You know what I'm saying? Whole thing, five out of five. Five out of five. It gets five radicals out of five. <laughs> now let's get to the disses. Let's get to the disses. 
Now, um, the first track, The Ringer. The first track, The Ringer, he goes off on Vince Staples. No mistake, I'm about to rape the alphabet. I make raise some brows. If I press the issue just to get the anger out. Full magazine can take staples out. Now, why would M go after Vince Staples like that? Um, Ben was interviewed and he said it was trash. He can do better from the Cypher Freestyle. And he went on to say, if I said this is for calling ball up a fist and keep it balled up like Donald the bitch, they would be like, get that nigga out of here. You know what I'm saying? So I completely agree with them. You know, I completely agree with them. But, you know, this is one of Eminem's way of, this is one, just one person that he went after and this is many more. But in that same track, he goes after mumble rap and he goes after Lil Yachty and many more. I can see why people like Lil Yachty, but not me though. Not even dissing, it just ain't for me. All I am simply is just an MC. Maybe Stan just isn't your cup of tea. Maybe your cup's full of syrup and lean. Maybe I need to stir up shit, preferably shake the world up if it were up to me. Paul wants me to chill, y'all want me to ill. I should eat a pill, probably I will. So, after that, in the same track, M uses Little Pump's Gucci man, you know, the Gucci gang flow. So, finger bang, chicken wang, Gucci K, Ikaze, Lil Pump, Lil Xan, imitate Lil Wayne. I should aim at everybody in the game, pick a name. And he goes after Charlemagne the God. Oh man, the BET cipher was weak, it was garbage, the thing ain't even orange, oh my god, that's a reach. Shout to all my colorblind people, each and every one of y'all. If you call a fire engine green, aquamarine, or you think water is pink, dog, that's a date, looks like an olive to me. Look, there's an app, no it's not, it's a peach. Bang, booty tang, burger king, Gucci gang, Gucci dang, Charlemagne. Gonna hate anyway. Doesn't matter what I say. Give me donkey of the day. Now, the reason why he's going after Charlemagne is because Charlemagne said this about him. He said, being racist is the only thing you're fantastic for because you're orange and you get your rocks off. LeBron James tweeting that with fire emojis. I'm like, that shit is such a fucking reach. Let me interrupt. First of all, the thing isn't even orange. I'm a, I'm a comic book head. So the thing from the Fantastic Four isn't even really orange. And what color is it? He's like a yellowish, beige. like a yellowish beige color. Orange. And it's like, get your rocks off. What does that even mean? They never the, kicked the things. thing was a rock. But they never kicked him out of Fantastic Four. How did he get the rocks off? Like, it doesn't make no sense. Now, on uh, the second track, Greatest, he goes after the Antwerp, some South African uh, group, um, and on uh, Revival, on Untouchable, he said, I'd rather hear them say die ant word than die ant word. Uh, ninja, now it's better discuss banter. You know, that's what he said, and uh, they responded, Obviously. Okay, so like, how would you feel if I called you Eminem? Okay, your name's Eminem, but I call you Eminem just because it rhymes with something, you know? Like that's like Eminem. Eminem went to jail, but he got a little bit of semen in his bum, and he was never ever seen again. Eminem went to jail and got a bit of semen in his bum and was never seen again. Um. 
So, because of that, M responded with this. Oh yeah, let me get this out the way. I know there's people that are pissed about the way I mispronounce the name. Talk, I still can't say this shit, but how quickly they forget who the fuck I was done. Ninja tried to duck my slugs to let your girl get fucked by mugs. I'd like to give a shout. Now, in the third track, this is the first time where he starts throwing jabs at Drake. And also, he starts talking about mumble rap and how much he hates it. And these little motherfuckers got a bunch of face tats and all that. I got a couple of mentions. Still, I don't have any manners. You got a couple of ghostwriters, but to these kids, it don't actually matter. They're asking me what the fuck happened to hip hop. I said I don't have any answers because I took a nap when I dropped my last album. It hurt me like hell, but I'm back on these three. The inability to pin humility. Why don't we make a bunch of fucking songs about nothing and mumble them? Fuck it, I'm going for the juggler. Shit is a circus. You clowns that are coming up. Don't give an ounce of a motherfucker about the ones who are here before you. The made rap is recap. Way back and seize that. Recap on tape decks. Eight dats with a G rap. Some canes that we need three stacks. ASAP and bring that to the ace back. Cause it's for these rappers have brain damage. All the lean rapping face tats are up out like tree sap. Now, on the next track, Not Like, he starts off the track just like the Migos did in Bad and Bougie. I'm going to let you guys listen to the Migos first, and I'm going to give you a comparison how he started off the track on his uh, Not Like. Hey! Raindrops, drop top, drop top, smoking on cooking a hot box, cooking, fucking on your bitch, yeah, that, 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 cooking up dope in the crock pot. And this is how Eminem started it. Brain dead, eye drops, pain meds, cyclops, day bed, iPod, Maybag, my buck, train wrecks, sidewalks, pay less, high tops, K fed, I hop, playtex, icebox. That's how much we have in common. Yeah, that's how much we have in common. So, right here, he's basically just saying, listen, look how easy it is to make ya sound. Look how easy it is because y'all are not on my level. This is how much we got in common. You know what I'm saying? Th that's what he's saying. He's like, y'all not on my level. Y'all do this little mumble rap bullshit. I could do it and it's easy for me. You know what I mean? But that's not all. He goes after Machine Gun Kelly in this uh, in this song. You say you affiliated with murderous killers. Hey, the people you run with are thugging. Hey, but you just don't want to be gonna. Hey, like you was gonna do something. Acting like you catching bodies. Hey, and you got juice, little young, and you're bugging. You ain't never even been charging connection with battery, bitch. You ain't plugged into nothing. Rap guys with lyrical bullets. You gas cock your partners, better tool up. This has not to do with muscular, but have guns for sure. You better put a strap on other words if you're gonna roll up with your game. You're gonna need an arsenal, cause this bar is over your head. So you better have arms if you're gonna pull up. Now I'm going to cut it in the middle for just a second due to copyright issues on YouTube when I load this up on the podcast, you know, whatever. But um, the reason why he's dissing Machine Gun Kelly is because Machine Gun Kelly, let me give you guys a background. He uh, wrote on Twitter that Haley looks fucking hot and all this other crazy shit. Um, M is really protective over his daughter, as you guys know. And he doesn't want nothing, you know, basically to happen to her and all that. And then uh, Machine Gun Kelly did some sneaky shit on one of Tech Nine's songs called No Reason. And he basically was dissing Eminem subliminally the whole time. And, you know, the state of hip hop right now is everything is subliminal. You know what I'm saying? Something that I've always been very critical about. You know, Nicki Minaj dissing bitches subliminally, Drake doing all that subliminally, you know what I'm saying? So, M wasn't taking it, so 
he basically responded with this, and I'm gonna let you listen to the other half of the clip. Oh, you run the streets, huh? Now you wanna come and fuck with me, huh? This little cocksucker, he must be feeling himself. He wants to keep up his tough demeanor, so he does a feature, decides to team up with Nina. But next time, you don't gotta use Tech 9 if you wanna come at me with a submachine gun. And I'm talking to you, but you already know who the fuck you are, Kelly. I don't use sublims, and sure as fuck don't sneak this. But keep commenting on my daughter, Haley. I keep on telling motherfuckers, but just in case you forgot, really, you need your memory jarred like. So, that was his response to. Machine Gun Kelly. Now, for the next one, Kamikaze, towards the end, he disses Drake again. You got some views, but you're still below me, mine are higher, so when you compare our views, you get overlooked. And I don't say the hook unless I wrote the hook. And now I'm just freestyling in the vocal booth. Now, with the final, final response track is Fall. This is the track that got everybody's attention. This is a track that got everybody talking because he responds to everybody. And he starts off the track by talking to Charlemagne again. One last time for Charlemagne. If my response is late, it's just how long it takes to hit my fucking radar. I'm so far away. Basically, he's going at Charlemagne saying that, listen, I'm too big of an artist. I don't need to basically worry about you. I'm too big of a celebrity. Um, my radar is far away. That is basically a response to um, Charlemagne critiquing the Rap God um, song because in the reference of the Rap God, he talked about Ray J and Fabulous. And Charlemagne was like, how long ago was the Ray J and Fabulous beef that you're matching it now? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? And then... Charlemagne's been very vocal saying that Eminem's radar is like super late. You know, he never um, refers to something right then and there when it happens, or weeks later. He responds to it months or years later. And, you know, Eminem has to be more consistent, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. But um, that's basically a response to him saying, like, listen, I don't have to respond to it. I'll respond to it whatever I want to. I'm a bigger artist than that. And he also goes back and hits up on mumble rappers again. Rappers are like Hunger Games. One minute they're mocking Jay, next minute they get the stuff from me goes so they copy Drake. Maybe I just don't know when to turn around and walk away. But all the hate I call it walk on Watergate. I've had as much as I can tolerate. Then at the second verse, he goes nuts. He goes after Joe Buttons and DJ Academics, basically referring to that whole everyday struggle thing and how they were both critical on his album somebody tell button before i snap he better fasten it or have his body back and zip the closest thing he's had to hit to smacking bitches and don't make me have to give it back to academics say this shit is trash again i'll have you twisted like you had it when you thought you had me slipping at the telly even when i'm getting brain you'll never catch me with a thought lacking with it he ain't spitting like this on his last shit. oh you better go back and listen you know me better thinking i'll slow a lad up call it track and i think this is one of my best joe buttons response uh lines you know talking about um the last hit you ever got was when you were smacking bitches that shit was hilarious that shit's funny to me but on the same track he goes at lord jamar and before I let you hear what Eminem had to say, I'm going to let you guys hear what Lord Jamar had to say first, okay? 
Just like in Eminem, we had a lot of people talking about, is Eminem a guest in the house of hip hop? You motherfucking right he is. So out of that, um, Eminem responded with this. In cars, Lord Jamar, you better leave me the hell alone or I'll show you and Elvis clone. Walk up in this house you own, cross my pelvic bone, use your telephone, then go fetch me the remote. Put my feet up and just make myself at home. I belong here, clown, don't tell me about the culture. I inspired the Hobsons, the Logics, the Coles, the Shawns, the Chaos, the Five Nines and O. Brought the world 50 Cent, you the squat, piss and moan, but I'm not gonna fall. And finally, the last thing that got everybody talking was the Tyler, the creator, um, you know, reference. Well, this or whatever. Um, I'm going to let you guys listen to it, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts, and I'm going to end the review, and then I'm going to move on, all right? Miss Tyler, create nothing. I see why you called yourself a fucking bitch. It's not just because you lack attention. It's because you worship the 12 balls. You're sacrilegious. If you're going to critique me, you better at least be as good or better. Get all the hood is wetter, whatever. So, yeah, he's basically referring to Tyler the Creator because Tyler the Creator basically said uh, that walk on water shit was trash. That whole thing was trash. And I actually agree. I agree. Walk on water is 100% trash. And he shouldn't have never, ever, ever made that song whatsoever. But the thing is that, um, you know, now M is coming at him and he's basically saying like listen if you're gonna respond re respond but make sure you have um earl i think the guy's his his friend or whatever earl's sweatshirt because he's more lyrical you know let him respond and help you out you know what i'm saying but this is the crazy thing so M is getting a lot of backlash because called Tyler the Creator a faggot. The thing is, M didn't call him a faggot. He said, you call yourself a faggot. But there's a crazy thing. M bleeped that part out. He, he bleeped the F word out, you know? So, um, everybody's like, you know, oh, he's homophobic, he's going back at it again, and all this stuff. Nah, he just bleeped that out. He bleeped it out for a reason. But on top of that, not only did he bleep it out, he even said, you call yourself. You know what I'm saying? So I think people are really wilding out. But those are all the disses that I found on the new Kamikaze album. And I hope you guys, you know, enjoy the album. Tell me what your review is and all that. Now, let's move on. Have you guys heard um, what's going down in South Africa um, with this whole... Um, white farmers take, getting their land taken away without reparations and Donald Trump tweeted you know saying you know a bunch of lies as he always do you know he tweeted saying that white um, farmers are getting killed and all this other bullshit which is all a lie you know and it's kind of crazy how all white supremacists when they start a lie, they all go into that same lie. They all go and start perpetuating that same lie. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of crazy because before Donald Trump tweeted this, um, the the type of job I have, I have, I'm not even gonna say it here, but it allows me to actually interact with a lot of people from all over the world. 
And the thing is that I met this couple that was from South Africa and they moved here and they've been living here for a couple of years now, right? They've been living in the States for a couple of years. And the thing is, the subject of conversation ended up leading up to South Africa. And they started saying all this other shit. Well, you know, it's horrible out there. The farmers are dying um, because South Africa is, is taking the land away from the people. And I'm like, don't you think? I was like, uh, isn't that like a good thing? He's like, well, it's not. You know, just because they're white, they're still South African. I'm like, well, didn't those people kind of, I don't know, didn't earn that? They were given that land because of racism, you know, and now they're giving it back to the, to the people. Well, that's a slippery slope if we go through all of that shit. And they just basically was caping. So all automatic was, oh, these are a bunch of white supremacists. You know what I'm saying? So I already wrote them off. But the leader of the EFF, which, you know, shout out to him. Because he's basically saying, fuck Trump and fuck y'all. We're still going to do our thing. And this is what he said. Trump, my view is that Donald Trump is contributing in this debate which is going on. And in the process of contribution, Donald Trump make a similar contribution that were made by white people, all of them, in the hearings, in the public hearings. Donald Trump is not saying anything we have not heard from white people in all the hearings. I even commented and said, I'm still to meet a white person who support expropriation of land without compensation. So why are you shocked? Now let me pause there for a second. Great fucking point. Great point. He has yet to meet a white person that is basically okay with black people taking their freedom. See, this is the thing. This is what I've noticed. Whenever a white person or the people in the dominant society is giving something to black people out of their own pocket, out of their own terms, out of there, you know, okay, we've uh, figured this out and this is how we're gonna do it because I'm making the decision to do it. They're totally fine with that. Everything's a-okay. Everything is, you know, everything is cool. But whenever black people, whenever black people actually rise up and start saying, yo, nah, fuck this shit. I'm, we're taking over and this is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it in our own terms. That's when shit starts hitting the fan. Whoa, we don't know what's going on. I, we don't know who you're talking about. This is racist, reverse racism. You know what I'm saying? They they start going to this whole tangent, but I'm gonna I'm gonna continue letting y'all listen to this. I see leaders of the EFF and everybody responding to Donald Trump. I don't have time for nonsense. I expected this, and more backlash is going to come. If South Africans are not ready to expropriate the land because they are scared of sanctions, they are scared of blacklash, then don't vote for the EFF. Because you vote for us, we're going to expropriate land. And Donald Trump will come for us. And Britain will come for us. And the EU will come for us. I said, and I said this throughout my life in the movement, that for everything good, comes the pain before. Mmm. Mmm. 
everything good comes to pain. He's basically saying, yo, I'm ready to die. Fuck it. I am ready to die. And that's that's the mentality we all should be having. Before something good comes to pain. That's the mentality we should be having. Fuck it. I'd rather die for my beliefs than be a, a fucking slave. You know what I'm saying? That's how we all should be thinking about it. You know what I mean? So, you know... Talking about, listen, I'm, I'm prepared for this shit. I know what they're gonna do. I know they're gonna have trade sanctions. I know Britain is gonna come for our next. But guess what? We prepared for this. And for all you motherfuckers that voted for us and y'all, y'all like didn't, you know, think that this was gonna happen. I was just all talk. Nah, I'm proving y'all wrong. And that's what the fuck I like. That's what I like out of this shit. And this is how we all should be thinking about. And this is what I want to personally find out if the EFF government or something are accepting donations. Because so far from what I'm researching, I, I haven't found anything. But if they are accepting donations, we should be, you know, um, financing and backing them up because they're going to need a lot of help. Donald Trump already tweeted. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to let y'all listen to everything else that he has to say. If you're not prepared, South Africa, to take the pay, then forget about the land. Donald Trump has not said anything extreme. Things are still going to come. I hope the Zuma group in the ANC, which is supporting this thing, they know the consequences. We know the consequences. We know that the first response will be killing. They will kill us for that. There's a group of white right-wingers who are being trained by Jews in Pretoria to be snipers. You guys hear that? He's basically saying, listen, um, there's, you know, a bunch of um, people out here that's going to try to fuck us up, try to, you know, stop us from uprising. And that's what the fuck I like to hear. That's what I like to hear because what he's doing is he's not laying down. He's not standing down. He's actually doing his shit. And that's what I like to hear. We should be backing him financially because they, they're planning on attacking this guy. Attacking his movement. And that's what I like to hear. But he doesn't stop there. He says something very interesting because Donald Trump, remember, he's saying that there's white genocide and all this other stuff. Remember, these are little cold words white supremacists like to be use and good thing i'm doing this episode because i'm gonna break all these cold words down but check this out listen to what he says what we, we remain unshaken actually we are more determined after the donald trump tweet to expropriate our land without compensation there's no white genocide here it's an absolute rubbish to say there is white uh, genocide there is black genocide in the usa they are killing black people in the USA. There is black genocide here in South Africa. Black people are being killed all the time. Boom. Real talk. Real fucking talk. There's black genocide happening in the US. It's real talk. Everybody knows this shit. White supremacists know this shit. Everybody knows this shit. You don't think they don't know this? Come on. Everybody knows this. White supremacists know this shit. Just pay attention. Every time when a white cop, a white race soldier, kills a black unarmed person, 
and uh, you know they they start getting donations by white supremacist group white supremacist groups start coming now in the hundreds and hundred folds just to support and protect this guy come on y'all see the um how how uh, um zimmerman was come on white supremacist group was protecting this man giving him millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah hell yeah they know this ain't no fucking secret no goddamn racking science you know what i'm saying he every the whole world sees it the whole world sees it you know what i'm saying this the whole world sees it so come on but this is the crazy part you guys know tucker carlson for those who don't know tucker carlson is a fox news um host of his show or whatever he's just a little suspected white supremacist and he likes to have like little things you know you know poking poking at the uh, plight of black people and all this other stuff he likes to throw little things and whenever he debates someone thorough he always has a stupid ass look at this he has a dumb ass look in his face but whatever so he basically responds to the EFF leader. You know, I, I can't pronounce his brother's name, but I'm just going to call him the EFF leader. So he uh, he responds to the EFF leader. And check this out. Look at what he said. So we just said last night on the show, we highlighted what is a remarkable and very sad story. More than a quarter century after the end of apartheid, South Africa once again becoming a place where an entire group of people is targeted for discrimination and violence on the basis of their skin color. We oppose that, obviously. It was wrong 25 years ago. It is wrong now. It is wrong wherever and whenever it happens. So we call the State Department to get their view of what is currently happening in South Africa because America's moral leadership still does matter. They told us they didn't care. Confiscating property without compensation is fine, they said, in effect, <clears throat> because South Africa was, quote, a strong democracy, whatever that means. Pretty shocking. We're not the only ones who found that answer hard to believe, by the way. The Washington Post insinuated today that we made that up. Unfortunately, we did not. The president saw our segment last night, and he tweeted this response to it. Quote, I have asked Secretary of State Pompeo to closely study the South Africa land and farm seizures and expropriations and the large-scale killings of farmers. We should say that we did talk about the land seizures on the show last night. We did not address the killings that he referred to. We did mention the threat of violence. But in any case, today, the State Department elaborated on the president's tweet. Here's part of it. I should mention that the expropriation of land without compensation, our position is that that would risk sending South Africa down the wrong path. Uh, we continue to encourage a peaceful and transparent public debate about what we consider to be a very important issue, and the South Africans certainly do as well. So, I mean, that was kind of tepid, I guess. It's not going to solve the problem, but it's basically good news. Pushing back against racial discrimination is always worth doing. And yet, for some reason, a reason no one really explained, luminaries in the media disagreed. They were offended by that. In an Orwellian turn, various news outlets suggested it was somehow racist to oppose the racist policies of the South African government, even Nazi-like. Watch. He goes to race. And what better way than to give this neo-Nazi propaganda that white farmers are being killed in South Africa when, in fact, that is not true, not based on them being white? So show that clip to anyone who knows South Africa, who lives there, and see how they respond. They'll laugh bitterly. It's ludicrous. It's, an, it's a lie. The president of the country, Cyril Ramaphosa, has pledged to change South Africa's constitution in order to legalize the seizure of property without compensation. 
that's currently being debated in the parliament in South Africa. Even now, the government is trying to confiscate two game farms after the owners refuse to sell at a fraction of the market price. Everyone in the country understands what these are. They're racial attacks. Let me just pause here for one second. Don't you guys think it's kind of funny? Whenever something happens to the dominant society or anything like that, then they start calling everything out. This is racial attacks. Reverse racism. This is wrong. But when it comes to us, something happening to us, something happening to black folks, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have ran. Oh, well, you know, um, the cop was scared for his life. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of weird, but check what, check the tactic uh, that Tucker's gonna use. What he's gonna use is a very, I, you know, it's kind of clever. You know, he he's gonna contradict himself a lot. And I'm gonna call out his contradiction. So I'll let y'all listen to the to the to the to the beginning and I'm gonna just cut in between, all right? Okay, say defenders of the South African government in this country. But previous generations in South Africa under the apartheid government also seized land on racial grounds. And by the way, that is absolutely true. They did do that. And it's one of the reasons that so many decent people in this country and around the world opposed apartheid. Apartheid was awful and wrong. So if you agree and apartheid is wrong and all this other shit, then what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? Okay, apartheid is wrong. You took land from the African people, the black African people, the original people of this world. You took land from them. That's wrong. You admit that. That is wrong. But now it's not wrong when we're taking it back? No. Whoa, whoa, wait. Hold up. You see the double standard there? You see the double standard? He just admitted that. He just admitted that. And now he's going to contradict. Check this out. Things have changed, though. Now our elites endorse the idea of a racial spoil system. And that's the scariest part. It's far more ominous than whatever the corrupt and incompetent government of South Africa is doing. Our ruling class now believes in collective punishment. That is the opposite of justice. Nobody is alleging that individual farm owners in South Africa stole their land. Instead, the claim is that people who resemble them did. And that's enough. I'm going to pause here for one second. I hope you guys caught everything he just said. He basically said that, you know, the ruling class is saying that, listen, we're going we're gonna to punish you. And he's suggesting that's not justice whatsoever. How come that's not justice? To, I'm, I, now I'm asking him, how is that not justice? You know, eye for an eye. But when it comes to punishing them, oh, no, we got to go by a different letter of the law. You know what I mean? So look at the connection that he's about to make which is asinine, all right? Look at the connection. He just said, I'm gonna let you guys just hear that little small part and then connection to the other part. He basically just said that it's not the farm owners themselves, it's the people who resemble them. The people, so they shouldn't even be affected by this because they had nothing to do with this. It's the people who resemble them, right? Check this out, just, just hear the connection he's trying to make, watch. Individual farm owners in South Africa stole their land. Instead, the claim is that people who resemble them did, and that's enough. Our elites see no problem with that standard. That should worry you a lot. If you got mugged, how would you feel about imprisoning someone who just happened to look like the mugger? How about the mugger's children? Should they be punished too? This motherfucker just 
made a connection to mugging. This motherfucker basically just said, listen, I know white people fucked y'all up, they raped your land, they raped your culture, they stole you guys from your land, and you're trying to take that back, and that is justice. But why are you going up against the generation, their children's 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 children, who is benefiting from this? It's like, if I robbed you years ago, robbed your family, and you are punishing my children, why? The, what the fuck? Hey Tucker, please, I hope you are really listening. I doubt that you are, but some of your listeners, check this out. I really hope that you're listening, I doubt, but if you ever do, this is a, this is my response to you, check this out. That shit, it's so fucking backwards, it makes no goddamn sense, alright? First of all, mugging someone, right, for their iPhone, mugging someone for their cash, right, one time, obviously it's a one time thing, their whole generation is not benefiting continuously on that one mugging, just like the white African people are, all right? Or the, or the colonizers are, not the white African, but whatever, the colonizers are, all right? There's the big difference. The colonizers came into that land generationally, raping it, raping it, raping it, raping it, and benefiting from it. It's the same thing now. Basically, his equivalent right now, what he just did, is equivalent to saying, hey, why you care about slavery? You weren't there. You know what I'm saying? White people still benefit to this day about that, okay? So yes, of course they should be getting punished. Your generation and the, those white um, farm owners, they should be getting punished because their grandparents and grandparents and grandparents stole this land, and guess what? Their children's children's children is benefiting from it. So if they're not gonna do anything for compensation, then guess what? They, the, the people of their land should be coming back should be coming in and, and being pissed off and taking their land back. Of course, that's a God-given right. Why the fuck would they not? You feel me? That shit is crazy. You heard that connection that he tried to do? If the monkey... No, there's no connection to that. That makes no goddamn sense. This is apples and oranges. That has not the level, the level. This is what white supremacists do. They like to confuse you. That makes no fucking sense. That makes... So you mean to tell me generational um, punishment, it's a good thing? And remember, and, and, and yes, I do. I actually do. Generational punishment is a good thing. You know why? Because those same people who benefit continuously, 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 and, and still benefit to this day from the generational debt that we still endure, yeah, that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, that's a good thing. But, now this is now this is the thing. He even said, he started throwing a bunch of cold words. You should be worried. You should be scared. And all this other stuff. Because they don't want that to happen here. And this is what I'm saying. What we have to do is back the EFF. 
we gotta find a way to financially back them because with Trump and um, England and all these other crazy ass nations what they're gonna do is gonna get tariffs and cut them off with supplies and all this other crazy shit what we have to do is get them on our back saying listen we do not support their decisions we live in this country we do not support their decisions what we gonna do is um financially back you up that's how we gotta that's how we gotta rule this that's how we gotta go you know what i'm saying that's how we gotta go because you know why because once that this is like the haiti situation once they win once they get what they got guess what it's gonna open the door and the floodgates for more for more for more you know what i'm saying this is the first steps of freedom and guess what blood is gonna be shed and let's start shedding all of it you know what i'm saying but that's enough about you know that um now let's get into the topic of the show debunking or exposing white supremacist codes now let's really dive deep into this see when you hear or talk about white supremacy or anything that has facets to do with white supremacy they always talk in codes why do they talk in codes because you can't openly just talk about racist issues or practicing racism amongst other white supremacists you know so out in the open you talk in codes for example um you know build the wall uh you know, I'm a race realist, freedom of speech is under attack. Stuff like this are code words to tell other people, okay, he's with my own team. You know what I mean? And these white supremacist codes are in movies, books, TV shows, etc., etc., etc. Now, I'm gonna just break down the certain white supremacist code words, you know, little by um, little by little. And give you some examples now what white supremacists do is they base everything on jokes first of all they'll start talking about oh no I'm not racist I'm just saying jokes you know they hide their white supremacy under jokes and most of the time right now especially uh, they hide it under trolling oh you're just a troll you're just a troll and you're not racist good thing because you're just a troll now what we have to understand is that trolling is basically saying jokes you know just poking fun at you until you start getting angry or whatever the case is right um we could see later examples of this of jim crow jim crow didn't start off as laws it started off as a joke it started off as a guy dressing up in blackface and he was like a comedian so he would do these menstrual shows and you know using the words Jim Crow at you know at the tail end or whatever so what his jokes would be were these mocking of black people and you know his comedy routine would be you know little laws implemented or whatever the case is and then they ended up becoming laws later on actually becoming laws so we have to be very wary when someone that we suspect to be a white supremacist or suspect to hate us say racist jokes because that's how they come across as first 
because jokes, to be honest, even if it's racist or not, but jokes is kind of like giving you an insight how you really feel. So when it comes to trolling or to comes to jokes with suspected white supremacists, we automatically have to suspect them already as being okay. You know, I'm not suspecting you anymore. Now you're kind of confirming that you're a white supremacist. Now, this is uh, it was this documentary called Hacker Wars. This is an old documentary, uh, probably like maybe six, seven years old. It's called Hacker Wars, and I remember seeing this documentary, um, and it pretty much talked about how hackers are, uh, as they call it, hacktivists. Um, will basically hack these multi-million dollar companies to say, listen, you guys are fucking up or whatever the case is, um, and we're hacking you because you aren't, you know, playing by the rules or you're just basically abusing the people or whatever the case is, right? So, during this documentary, I... Remember, I was I was still a I was still young, you know. I'm, I'm a teenager and all that. Watching this documentary, I'm like, yeah, you know, people just hacking the system. I'm like, yeah, that's what's up. But then they started getting into that whole, you know, white supremacy talk, and the whole documentary revolves around this dude named Andrew Alzheimer, or as people will know him as Weave, W E E V. He goes by that name, W-E-E-V. Um, and he went to jail. In, in this documentary, you find out why he went to jail and all this other stuff. But you know how every documentary, um, when it focuses on one person or multiple person, they give you the history or whatever the case is and some backstory. So while filming, they started just talking about openly the things that they would do before, you know, he went into this massive hacking attack and went to jail for. So he just starts talking openly and I'm gonna show you how trolling is a way that white supremacists use to just pass off racism. Check this out. Plan on keeping my cornbread safe in prison. <laughs> I will stab a nigger that dares reach across my plate you see so that's just uh, one example that's the weave guy that's one example of him you know saying jokes because what he was doing is replying to people on hey what's gonna happen when you go to prison and how you uh, how you gonna survive or whatever the case is and you just heard you just heard his you know explanation or whatever of what he'll do so right then and there, it, it should, and you hear people laughing, ha ha ha, like he's joking. He's not joking. He, he, this is what he believes. And this is another example. This is part of the same documentary. Check this out. The Jews fooled the Germans because they got to Germany and they were they're very like serious, rigid people. And the Germans were like, oh, they're just like us. And so they get, got this great success in Germany. And then the Germans figured out, oh, they took over our banks and it's hyperinflated our currency. Fuck these people. <laughs> and perhaps the punishment was disproportionate to the crime. But Maybe. the Jews were the criminal people in Germany and they, they did have something coming to them. You know, just a, just a little. Oh per, perhaps God. not 
the Holocaust. I totally don't blame you for walking away. <laughs> it's a good thing you're a troll. You can always pull that kind of troll card. <laughs> Did you guys catch that? You guys catch that? Oh, good thing you're a troll because you always can pull that troll card. You see? You, you, good thing you're a troll. Good thing. Because you could just pull that card and everything is all good because you're not that serious. No. He is that serious. He is that serious. This is just out of fucking nowhere. You, you watch the documentary and he just sprinkles this white supremacist bullshit out of nowhere. It, there's no context to it. Watch it. It's called Hacker Wars. Watch it. He just spreads it out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And he's allotted in this hacking community as this big, you know, a messiah that he's taking one for the team because blah 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 and all this other bullshit but watch the documentary and you'll see that he just sprinkles this bullshit out of nowhere but there's more to it just check this out why do we all have to agree with each other and that's what freedom is about it's uh i can i can call you a disgusting kike and we can still live in the fucking same society <laughs> he actually is trying to shove this down everyone's throat freedom of speech at all costs as hardcore as I can make it. He's he's a crazy fucker, but you know I, he's he's um, a, our crazy fucker, I think. What was it, the gay nigger society? Or, oh crap! I can't say that on camera, can I? I should probably probably not put that on camera. The Gay Nigger Association of America has been around, I think, probably since 2000. It is uh, it is a very old troll organization. I was elected president. The name is based on a Danish short film called Gay Niggers from Outer Space. The gay niggers come from the planet Anus, and they are much, much more intelligent than any other creature in the universe. So yeah, he he's president of the Gay Nigger Society. Like, he even said it himself. It's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. And these are the things that you know, happen in, behind closed doors. These are the things that happen without anybody, you know, talking about it. So they talk in codes. These are code words right here. You know what I'm saying? These are code words that are being used every day. Every day. And people are just blind about it. Now, this weave guy, he's in like Switzerland or Europe or something like that. He's, some, he's not even in the United States anymore because he can't even come back. You know what I'm saying? And if you even do look up images of this white boy, you see that he actually has a Nazi tattooed in his chest. And if you question him about it, hey, that's a Nazi tattoo. What the fuck you got? Well, it's not really a Nazi tattoo. It's a peace tattoo because it's actually backwards. It's not like, the fuck out of here. Remember, white supremacy, like I keep on saying all the time, white supremacists, always 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 deny their white supremacy always deny their white supremacy so to them they're never white supremacists you know what i'm saying to them they're never white supremacists so don't don't believe that so this motherfucker has a nazi tattoo right in the middle of his chest all right now that's just trolling now let's move on to books and literature you know, books and literature, all these, and there's a bunch of white supremacist books out here. 
So I'm gonna play something that Steve Bannon, when he was in the cabinet and he was getting interviewed, he kept on repeating something over and over and over and over again. He kept on repeating something, and I'm gonna let you guys listen to it. This situation in Syria just didn't pop up last week. You can't say it any other way. It's been uh, almost a Camp of the Saints type invasion. Really, it's not a migration. It's, it's really an invasion. I call it the Camp of the Saints. Off of the um, apocalyptic novel written in France back in the 1970s that people said was racist and nativist. I mean, this is Camp of the Saints, isn't it? This kind of global Camp of the Saints. We are in an outright war against jihadist Islam Islamic fascism. What we call this Muslim invasion of Europe. I don't know how you call it any other thing, but a, a Muslim invasion. This thing just didn't happen by happenstance. These are not war refugees. It's a, something much more insidious going on. There's something deeper when they see the potential of civilizational jihad as uh, personified uh, by this uh, migrant crisis. There's clearly a fifth column here in the United States that, that needs to be dealt with. And don't we have a problem? We've looked the other way on this legal immigration that's kind of overwhelmed the country. When you look and it's got 61 million, 20% of the country is immigrants. Right, yeah, no, is that uh, not is that not a massive problem? We just got to figure out who is here. There's at least some portion of quote unquote Muslims that are, you know, if not radicalized, at least uh, believe in Islamic supremacy. These are not Jeffersonian Democrats. These are not people with thousands of years of, of uh, understanding democracy. Now, you guys heard Camp of the Saints, Camp of the Saints, Camp of the Saints, Camp of the Saints, Immigration, um, Muslim Supremacy, like, that's a thing. Um, Camp of the Saints, Camp of the Saints, Camp of the Saints. Now, Camp of the Saints, it's a code word. Remember, white supremacists talk in codes. Camp of the Saints is actually a book that was done in France and has been translated into English. That book is basically a white supremacist um, point by point how to deal with immigration. This is fictional. So these white supremacists like to talk in fiction. And this is a fictional book. And it basically just goes down on how to deal with immigrants and immigration issues and stuff. Basically it's a genocidal type of fiction book. And white supremacists like to talk about these things. Now, how this in history white supremacists have used literature and books to commit mass murders or embolden or strengthen their belief in white supremacy. How do we know this? In the Oklahoma City bombing, Timothy McVeigh, he blew up a federal building because he wants to start a race war. Why? How did he get this idea? By this book called The Turner Diaries. Yes, The Turner Diaries. There's this book called The Turner Diaries that basically said, hey, if um, they sh we're showing you how to make bombs, we're showing you how to do this and all this other stuff, and in the fiction book, the federal building got blown up and a race war started. Timothy McVeigh is a white supremacist, and he wanted to embolden and start a race war, and guess what? He went and blew up a federal building because he wanted to start a race war. Don't believe me, experts even say this. On the day of the bombing, when Timothy McVeigh was driving away from the attack, he carried with him an envelope with several sheets of paper in it. Among those sheets were pages copied out of the Turner Diaries. It had highlighted sections that talked about the purpose of terrorism, 
was something that he wanted people to see to understand why he had done what he did. And remember people, these Turner Diaries, these books, these Camp of the Saints, all these books, they are talked in fiction. These are fictional books and these books are the ones that it's lauded and passed around like a Bible because these fictional books talk about things that they want to do. They talk about things that they wish would happen. So they kind of have it and use it as a holy grail. And the next thing you're going to hear is a expert on counterterrorism and propaganda and all that other stuff. And he's going to explain what turn the Turner Diaries are to white supremacist groups. Check this out. My name is J.M. Berger. I study extremism with a special focus on propaganda, and I do that as a fellow at the International Center for Counterterrorism in The Hague. The Turner Diaries is a racist dystopian novel that has become an incredibly powerful piece of propaganda for white nationalist movements around the world. It's become perhaps the most influential work of white nationalist propaganda since the Nazis. It was written in the 1970s, and it describes a world where blacks and, and Jews have taken over and are oppressing white people. And the white people rise up to correct that. Now, the next thing you're going to hear is a brief, brief voice of the author um, of the Turner Diaries speaking and what his belief is and what we we should do and all this other stuff you know what i'm saying so you're gonna hear that and then you're gonna hear the expert talk more and give you more in-depth detail on the book why didn't we rise up three years ago when they started taking our guns away why didn't we rise up in righteous fury and drag these arrogant aliens into the streets and cut their throats then the author of the Turner Diaries, William Pierce, was a, a rocket scientist. He, he was a physicist, and he slowly became obsessed with issues of race. Around the time of the Civil Rights Movement, he was pro-segregationist. He felt that the media treated segregationists unfairly, so he began to write, first for the American Nazi Party, and then later breaking away and, and forming his own organization, the National Alliance. In 1978, it was published as a book. The National Alliance self-published it. They would distribute it at gun shows, they would distribute it at rallies and meetings, and you could order it through the mail originally. The Turner Diaries has a focus on kind of instructions. Take these steps, do these things. In the early days, the book's influence was inspiring people to take part in very organized activities. The book constantly reproaches people who do not act on behalf of the white race. It focuses a lot on explaining the reasons for terrorism, how you pick your targets and what you should expect when you carry out a terrorist attack. What the Turner Diaries really is is a template for action and a call to take action. Now you hear that, a call to take action, this is what it is, this is how it's going to be. And a lot of people will probably wonder why. How come the Turner Diaries have survived so much? Remember, the Turner Diaries is something that they talk in code.
constantly, constantly, constantly talking cold, talking cold, talking cold. They don't spell out what they're doing or what it is or what the order is and all this other stuff. They talk in cold. But for some reason, white supremacist group, they know exactly what they're talking about. You know what I mean? They know exactly what they mean and who they're targeting. They're talking cold, so that's what you're going to hear next. The Turner Diaries has survived for a lot of reasons. The first one is its lack of ideological groundings. The book is careful not to spell out what its ideology is. It refers to the fact that there is an ideology behind the order, but it doesn't explain what that ideology is. So it doesn't spell out what it is, or what it means, or what the order is, or what your belief should be, but for some reason, the only people adopting these books and this book are white supremacists, and they talk in code. And remember, the author of the book, The Turner Diaries, he speaks in code also. He basically is saying, listen, I don't know what it is, but this is just a belief, and this is what I wrote down. And this, that's exactly what you're gonna hear, so check this out. If one asks, what, what was the purpose of The Turner Diaries? Uh, it was to uh, provide uh, a fictional medium for certain ideas that I think are very important. You hear that? A fictional medium. A fictional medium of ideas that I think is important. That's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. You know why? Because for some reason, all the people who are reading this are white supremacists and they commit murders. So believe me, the expert even said it. Check this part out. There are at least 200 murders, including those people murdered in the Oklahoma City bombing that were committed by people who were influenced by the Turner Diaries in some way. Meaning there was clear documentation they'd read it. In most of these cases, there were indications that not only had they read it, but that it influenced their actions. In the Turner Diaries, there is an organization known as The Order. It is a secretive group that is behind the wider insurgency. That concept in particular really resonated with a lot of the readers of the book. And what we saw in the 1980s was a group led by a guy named Bob Matthews, who's a white nationalist from the West Coast. And he literally adopted the Turner Diaries as the playbook for the revolution. So he called his group The Order. He made everybody who joined it read the book. He emulated what happened in the books. They robbed banks in order to fund the white nationalist insurgency around the country, and they murdered people in order to try and provoke a government crackdown in a way that the characters in the book do. So they basically implemented a bunch of um, things that happened in the book. Now, that is just a small little introduction to what, you know, I'm talking about, about white supremacist books. That, um, Camp of the Saints, no, I was about to say diary. Camp of the Saints is the same thing. Camp of the Saints is the same thing. But remember people, this is not the only one that, you know, not the only book that white supremacists have. It's a recent one, 2014. Um, a book called Victoria, The Fourth Generation War. You know, and Mind you, all these books are, you know, they're novels, they're fiction, but these white supremacists live through it. And, there's, and they don't just spell out what they say. Like, you just heard from the Turner Diaries. 
these novels and books, they they talk in coded language. So you gotta kinda catch these codes, you know what I mean? You gotta kinda be up on that. So Victoria, what it really talks about is rounding out groups of immigrants. Remember, cold word, immigrants, and black people and putting them in like camps, concentration camps and stuff. So these, this is what these white supremacists act out on these, what's on these books. Now, moving on to movies. Movies, yes, white, there's white supremacist movies that you don't, you can't even, you probably won't even tell, you know, but The Purge, that's one of them. That's a one, that's one of the white supremacist movies. I say that that's a white supremacist movie because it has a lot of white supremacist code words into it. For example, the latest one, um, The First Purge, you know, they were, they had, um, couple of white people coming out and uh you know looking like the people from Charlottesville you know in one scene and all so all of these all of this purge shit that's like white supremacists like you know cold words like listen this is what you guys need to do this is what I'm saying okay this is what I'm saying but other things have been proven to be white supremacists uh you know propaganda in films like the Planet of the Apes, the original one, even the new ones now. That's white supremacist propaganda. Birth of a Nation, not the one that Nat Turner made, but the original one. These are like propaganda, you know? If you guys seen the Black Klansmen, they talk about it a little bit, you know? And the thing is, we have to also catch these words that people say, like, I'm a race realist. That's all bullshit. I'm talking about freedom of speech. I care about freedom of speech. That's all bullshit. Welfare, food stamps, immigration. You guys got to work hard. Pull yourself up from your bootstraps and all of this. These are code words that they talk about when, they, when they're white supremacists. These are small code words and we got to start catching them. The, the thing is that even on websites, you got websites like Stormfront. Hey, um, uh, uh, Hatreon. You got other st- um, um, websites like Gab. These are these are white supremacist websites that are being run by open white supremacists. You know what I'm saying? There's another um, I I'm I'm putting 4chan and Reddit into that. I'm putting 4chan and Reddit into that. These are white supremacist breeding grounds. You know what I'm saying? So. What we, as a people, what we need to do is start, you know, learning what these, you know, white supremacist code words are and learning how to, you know, you know, point them out. You know what I'm saying? But, um, that's basically it. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was very long, very, very long. I don't usually do so uh, shows like this. It's usually for, uh, 30 to 40 minutes max, but it's very long. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys did, hit me up on my Twitter at Radical underscore Latino underscore. Same thing on Instagram, Radical underscore Latino underscore. All right? I really want to know what you guys think. Just hit me up. Let me know what's up. All right? Peace. Peace.